weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 365. Mr. Samich. Crappy Prepaza! <laughs> uh, as Greg McSorley says, it is time to make some money at Keelan. We are here to do the all-stakes Saturday uh, pick four at Keelan, not the late pick four. We are covering races six through nine Saturday at Keelan. Mr. Samich, first question, was my microphone better when we started? It was excellent. You came through loud and clear. I'm very proud of you. And we're really doing one for the team here. This late pick four has an all-stakes pick five that starts the previous race. And there's this little horse called whoever the five is that i think is singleable in that spot so you can have a single in front of our pick four tickets here if you want to for the pick five nashville even money to win there the, you go uh, that's the what i was thinking yeah although if nashville wins and golden pal wins spoiler i'm not singling golden pal um yeah it might not pay very much so that you you're already warned that that may be a problem here because if they both win they're both going to be sub even money and it uh it could get a little weird yeah, my pick four ticket is uh, $24 for 50 cents. Uh, I don't have a single, but uh, I feel like this could get a little chalky. Taking a, I think one big shot I'm taking, but that's it. Yeah, my, mine's 48. Um, I am singling, and it's not anyone that anyone is thinking. Well, maybe someone's thinking it, but it's not in either of the two races that you would think people would single. I, I the, We're going to talk about the bluegrass quite a bit here. Um, man, my opinions on the bluegrass are... are <laughs> lukewarm at best well and like we talked about this a little before but the same with the wood man i thought both of those races were uh, an absolute cluster and if you told me that a 50 to one shot won either of them i would not be shocked uh we literally have a todd pletcher maiden that loves to hit the board running in both the bluegrass and the wood memorial i just did the wood memorial preview with jared a few minutes ago which they'll be up at racingdudes.com and youtube.com slash racing dude shortly but uh the, yeah that race we were talking about like it, is it really that crazy that you could see either one of those horses or both of them hit the board this weekend and go to the Kentucky Derby? It's not the craziest thing. And that's what's crazy. I'm going to have a 15 to one shot uh, from the wood on every one of my press tickets. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, boys, we're not covering Aqueduct. I think you have to buy the inside track to the Bluegrass Stakes Wagering Diet to find out exactly what 15 to one he's talking about. I think there's only one horse at 15 to one. So that may not help <laughs> the selling point there, Magic, but. <laughs> Don't tell the people uh, that. Most of it, listen, I love our listeners. Most of them aren't that smart to have kind of figured that out for themselves. So uh, <laughs> you, you know who is smart, though? Greg, he's excited about Keeneland. Robert Witt is excited to talk about Ethereal Road in the Bluegrass. So let's not waste any time, Mike. Riders up! get into the late pick four the all graded not the late pick four i need to stop saying that i'm so sorry it is the all graded stakes pick four at keelan on saturday april 9th starting with race six which is the great trap. Well, last we have a field of paint field of Phillies, routing a mile on the lawn for the 
three Cinderella seven to five eight. It looks like the speed of the team, and on turf, that's a dangerous thing here, Mike. Yeah, I hope she uh, she runs better than your microphone sounds right now because now your microphone sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, look. This is going to be my single in this sequence. Um, that race that she won last time out, the Spenderella was able to, to take the field wire to wire in Florida is actually a pretty good race. Second horse, second place horse, Opalina was favored next time out. Third place horse, Mischievous Kiss was favored next time out. Uh, Opalina ran well. Mischievous Kiss could have run better, but had a tough pace setup and didn't get the best trip. So I'm not going to hold it against Mischievous Kiss. Uh, I think that this is the best horse in the field. I think this is the pace in the field. When you combine those two things, for me, that leads toward a single, especially when I'm trying to get go crazy deep in the la later part of this, this pick four. So I'm going to start out here by just putting the bullet on Spenderella and hope she gets home. Uh, she's my top pick here. I went three deep. Um, I'll add one last thing just to make her sound even better is that uh, two weeks ago, she worked with an older filly named Harajuku who went and finished very good second in the grade three orchid stakes at Gulfstream last week. And Tyler Gaffleon riding... We know how much Mike loves Tyler Gaffleone, former Keeneland riding champion. So, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely loves Spenderella here. Um, I use the four Dolce Zell, Chad Brown, second time off, second time routing, second time at three, second time North America, all good angles. Normally, you and I don't like to see horses leave Tampa and go to actual, you know, other tracks like Keeneland or Gulfstream. But you and I both know Chad Brown hates the Gulfstream Park turf. And so didn't really hold it against him that he put this horse at Tampa. He put her in a graded stake, so it's not like she went to Tampa for an allowance race or something. Um, I, I really like that uh, Irad is going to keep the mount here. Irad at Keeneland this weekend tells me that he thinks overall his chances of making money are better at Keeneland than, say, at Aqueduct this weekend. So I used Dolce Zell, and then I also used the five skims as well. Flavian Pratt picking up the mount for Suge McGahey. I think that makes her kind of sneaky. She's perfect in two route trips so far in her career. Uh, kind of like Spenderella, or I'm sorry, Dolce Zell, second off, second at three. Uh, I think that she's going to get a really good stocking trip behind Spenderella. And let's say for whatever reason, Spenderella doesn't fire. Uh, maybe the ground's a little too soft for her. Whatever reason, I think the Skims is going to be the one sitting just behind her and get first jump on her. Uh, or get first jump off of the horses behind her, I should say. And with Flavian Pratt being aboard, that's what tips me, Mike, that maybe this horse is going to be really sneaky and fire because Pratt is so good at timing those turf rides. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if I was going to add anybody, it would be the four and then the five. Those are my next two horses in my next up column. I just, look, I, I can't start with the three and the four on the ticket when I'm worried that it could chalk out later. Like, And that's why you're playing a $24 ticket. If when I actually play this sequence, when I get aggressive with it, I will have some type of press ticket. The problem for me, and we'll talk about it in the bluegrass, I hate the bluegrass. Like I hate it. I cannot stand that race. I hate it. My opinion is, is lukewarm at best. So, But here I feel like I got to start out with this three of Spinderella. I think Dolce Zell uh, it definitely could fire. You talked about that tamp angle for Chad Brown. That's where his best horses in the winter have been running. He's had a couple nice ones over the synth at, at, at Gulfstream as well. But uh, his best straight turf horses have been there. You get Irad up. It should be all systems go. The problem is, I mean, Spinderella is going to be, you know, looser than a dog at a dog park here. I mean, she's going to be out there up front by herself. And, and I don't know if anyone can reel her in if she gets loose. Uh, I'm looking in the chat here. And by the way, thanks so much for joining us. There's a lot of you. It's so great. Keep keep going in the chat. We're going to go through this. Uh, a lot of hate for Tyler Gaffleon here. Nick Feldman bringing that up. Curtis Manlo not trusting Tyler Gaffleon. Grand Motion at least as a single. Um, Curtis has been working out. Yeah, I know. I'm like, uh, <laughs> listen, Curtis, I'm just happy that Curtis, that's where your picture cuts off at. Because <laughs> I have Why? seen your full picture. And and congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, but we'll Speaking leave it. Congratulations. There. Ashley right here, $4 pick six at Aqueduct. Returns $1,224. Congratulations, Ashley. Awesome. Hey, hey. 
Awesome. Yeah, Ashley, a, a, a frequent uh, commenter and, and chat member here on these shows. Love to see that. Great job. Uh, Nick also brings up the fact that Dolce Zell was entered in the uh, Here Comes the Bride race, the Spenderella one, but didn't draw in. I, he brought that up when we, that we covered the Tampa race. I remember that. So uh, it's not like Chad's been trying to duck her. So that's good to know. Chad did try to get around the Gulfstream Park turf and then went to Tampa. So uh, Dennis says he thinks it's between the three and the four. Yeah, it's the three and the four really on paper. And, and I think if you're going to go deeper in, in the later leg, you have to pick between one or the two here. Mike goes with the three. And honestly, I, I can't see a single reason to argue against that. I don't hate Tyler Gaffley like you and everybody in the chat. So I'm okay with it. I don't hate Tyler Gaffley. This is just, this is just a, a, a shtick that you have now. I'm not like, I'm not anti Tyler Gaffley. I just don't think Tyler Gaffley should be, well, and see, now it's going to sound like I'm anti. He's just not as good as Irad and Jose up at Saratoga. Is that really that bad of a thing to say? It's like saying Steve Asherson can't compete at Saratoga on the turf. Someone's right, someone's wrong, and it's it's me that's right. Uh, also, sorry about that, Ashley. I apologize for that. Uh, congratulations, sir. <laughs> yeah, that, I was very careful about that. I've been using gender-neutral protons with Ashley ever since he showed up in here. So uh, I haven't gotten a horse with sex right in a while, so what can you do? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you should take that as a compliment. Uh, listen, Dr. Miranda, she knows. She keeps track Unbelievable. of Unbelievable. She reminds me of this stuff with you. Listen, that's all I'm going to say. We'll move on to the second leg of the late, of the, the all-graded stakes. Pick four sequence. The first grade one of the day is the grade one Madison Stakes race seven on the card. And here we have 10 older fillies going that fun seven furlong sprint on the dirt. A two-to-one favorite, uh, the six-horse Kamara, your defending champion. Similar to last year's running, Mike, she comes in off of an easy as she please kind of a seasonal you know, debut, looks ready, second off the layoff. Does she repeat in this spot? Uh, Bell's the one is the horse we're talking about, right? Kamari. <laughs> oh, see, I'm too, I'm too, like, I'm, I got to hype up my TGAF thing here, you know? It's, I'm not wrong and I'm not hating. Anyway, Miranda Keeban receipts, unbelievable. Um, I don't know. I don't think Kamari repeats here. I, I think this is a, a wide open race. I think there's quite a bit of speed. Kamari should be close to that pace. I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, second off the layoff, we may not see like the A++ effort here. And I think this is a pretty deep race when you kind of go through it. Um, I'm going to try and lean toward a price here. I'm going to put the four horse just one time at eight to one on top. Um, look, I, I love the fact that we're getting Pratt on this horse. Uh, Brad Cox has a couple in here. This one is going to come from off the pace. This is going to be second time out in the four-year-old season. Not this time. Sire, we've talked about quite a bit. Spitestown on the bottom, so I love the pedigree. Beat four graces last time out. This horse is five for six in its lifetime. Uh, the only time is when it was a little too forwardly placed over the synthetic uh, up at Presque Isle Downs. The fact that Brad Cox got this horse, put it right into a grade two, ran well, took a little time off, and now this is the second start we're going to make in our career. It makes me think this is absolutely all systems go. Uh, I love the price at eight to one. Give me just this time on top. I can't believe she's she's eight to one. That's the biggest surprise to me. Um, I, I went four deep here, and and the fact that she's my third choice, don't let that deter you because I love her just about as much as I love. The, uh, the two horses to her outside, I'll tease that one uh, or give you that answer. But yeah, just one time, that uh, race, by the way, that Brad Cox debuted her in uh, for his barn, that was Pegasus World Cup Day. And I don't remember if we were live when it happened, if we were just hanging out and, and watching it together. But um, she's a speed horse. She broke. She was extremely fractious through the gate. I think she, she broke through the gate or she was about to. And then she broke last. And we were like, God, this filly is just a wreck. Like, what is going on? Like, she, you know, maybe Rosario. Bad idea. Rosario. We're blaming everything <laughs> we could. And she won despite everything that happened. That was such an impressive effort. If you really think about everything, you remember everything that went into that. 
I don't love that we haven't seen her, you know, since the end of January, but maybe Cox is just taking his time. Um, kind of like with Bell's the one and, and, and also Latruska, maybe they're thinking we have an end goal, which is the Breeders' Cup, which will be at Keeneland. Uh, in the fall, maybe we just space out the races and try and get that best effort. So, yeah, I absolutely love just one time. And I think she gets a great trip just off the outside of Center Isle and Lady Rocket and then pounces at the top of the stretch. Yep, I, I 100% agree. And one of the things I love about just one time, you mentioned her as a speed horse. She's got five career wins. She's never been in first at first call. So she's got tactical speed, but still has that kick on, which I think is very important, especially in a race like this. Where I think quite a bit of speed is drawn in. And Ashley asks a good question here. How do you determine what jockey got what choice of the Cox horses in this race? It's the same problem we're going to have at Keeneland for a little while here because Flavian Pratt is the monkey wrench of the jockey merry-go-round, right? Because he's coming in, has no real allegiance to anyone. You've got him on a couple Chad Brown horses on Saturday. You've got like It's just all over the place with Flavian Pratt. So you got to decide, you know, did someone pass the mount? Was, did Pratt get offered the mount? Kind of how that works out. So we don't really know where Flavian Pratt fits in the mix in the Brad Cox barn, in the Pletcher barn, in the Brown barn at this point. And you see him on all those horses. So it's going to be interesting to see once or a couple months into this, who gets favored where from a jockey perspective. Yeah, no, that's a great question from Ashley there. Uh, you and I went uh, four deep here, and we agree on the four, five, and the six. So we talked about Kamari a little bit. Uh, she's perfect in three starts at Keeneland. She's perfect in three starts on dirt. She's perfect at seven furlongs. Won this race last year. Oh, no, by the way, Tyler Gaffleone is seven for nine with Wesley Ward in the last two years at Keeneland. So all good reasons to like her. I know that you're a bigger Bell's the one fan, or at least a longer Bell's the one fan than I am. So we both like her. I'll let you talk about why. Yeah, I mean, look, she's she's – essentially what seven for nine in the money at the seven for long distance. Yep. She's three for seven winning at Keeneland. She's yep. got the pace set up here. And that's really when you see bells, the one lose is when the pace setup doesn't exist for her. And, and, and here we have that. So you're going to see a ton of speed up front. Bell's the one is going to come trucking late. Uh, one of those races, she had a terrible trip and then one back the next start. And so there's a bunch of different reasons why I think bells, the one's actually better than what her running line says. And her running line says she's damn good horse. Um, her top upside is probably not as good as Kamari's A-plus game or just one time's A-plus game. And that is the biggest knock on Bell's the one is that she's a cut below. However, she's very, very consistent. And so if you kind of get that, you, you have to expect that she's going to be there. And if you're going, if you're not singling, it's really hard not to use Bell's the one because you know she's going to be in play at the wire. Yep, absolutely. Um, they brought her back at age six with the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint in mind. They actually didn't go to it last year. Um, it changed their mind at the last minute, but it kind of pissed you and I off because we both wanted to see her go. But uh, with it being, again, with the Breeders' Cup being at Keeneland, they brought her back at six because she loves Keeneland. Mike's right with those stats. She's three for seven here. So uh, I love Bell's the one. Let's. This is where we're going to diverge. And actually, the horse that you almost that you used that I didn't, I almost did. But we both went price hunting here. I went with the eight club car. This is a horse that I actually I loved both times she faced Bell's the one last year. Both times I thought she might be able to beat her. Almost actually did beat Bell's the one the time they were at Keeneland. So um, I love the fact that this horse has never missed the board. She's one for five at the distance. She's one for six at Keeneland. The problem is she doesn't win a lot, and that's. That's the biggest issue I have. So, in fact, the only stake score on her resume, it was a six furlong race at Mountaineer. Uh, that doesn't really stack up. But she is a late runner. She, there is a lot of pace in here. And if it melts down at 15 to one, she's going to be right there with Bells the one at seven to two. So, I, you know, if they're bang, bang at different prices, I want them both. Yeah. I mean, the other problem is that she's never run a 90 buyer. 
and you've got multiple horses in here that run 100. So we go back to the, you know, is her A-plus game competitive if anyone else runs theirs? I'm, I'm worried that she needs to run, like, A-plus on steroids with, with the, you know, some juice to get there. So it's going to be tough for Club Car to kind of run them down. Anytime we're Keeneland, I'm scared of speed because every now and then it goes full merry-go-round on us. Um, and so I, I would go for it. No, that's never happened. Uh, see the Breeders' Cup. Um, so anytime you have these these big time these races, and, and there's a horse that I think has inside speed and can get to the front, I'm really scared of that speed. In this case, let's take a look at number two center aisle. Luis Saez uh, aboard for uh, Pablo Paulo Lobo who has done very well at Keeneland. He's one of those sneaky trainers in my mind. You don't hear him about as much. He doesn't have as big a barn as everybody else, but he just kind of clicks along. 15 graded stakes entries. He's got a 20% hit rate. Uh, so he's what, three for 15 there. $3.47 ROI. Center aisle ridden for the first time, last time by Luis Saez, ends up and pops a career best buyer. Uh, that was at the end of the four-year-old season. We got a nice little break here coming off the layoff. An aggressive placement from a trainer that's not known for aggressively placing horses. Uh, this is a daughter of Into Mischief out of an Empire Maker Mare. It's kind of all systems go from that perspective. I don't see any reason why Saez doesn't just press go immediately. And he's one of those riders when you know he's on a speed horse, he is not going to let anyone else cross over on him. I love the fact that we get Saez here. That makes me feel much better about him beating everybody at the turn. And if we beat everybody at the turn, I want him at the top of the stretch and he'll probably still be in the lead. And by he, I mean Luis Saez, not the horse. Because the horse Aboard is the, the mayor, Senral. Yes, I knew what you meant. Um, yeah, Saez is in the lead, too, if he's on the yeah. lead horse. Now, uh, I saw your comment up here, Ch Charles. I, I wanted to save it. I 100% agree with you. I, th I think Senral is one of those that you kind of have to use at a big number here, just in case she wires the field. I'm glad you brought it up, too, because it did make me laugh. Charles said 100% win, like the horse has 100% win rate at the track for one race. But, hey, it's that just seems like something I would say. It's not – Charles isn't wrong. Charles he's isn't not wrong. wrong. It's got a sample um, size issue, but he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the fact isn't wrong. Uh, Nick is, uh, yeah, loves a club. I think club car definitely underneath uh, is a good one. Uh, Dennis <laughs> Dennis is in on club car as well. Rob brings up a great question. How will Magic know the winner of this race if they're going to use the same color saddle cloths? I'll have to wait for Kurt Becker to tell me. That's that's how I'll know, Rob. That's honestly it. <laughs> it is brutal, man. Like. Can we just get rid of the same colored saddle cloths? It's, it's every graded race. Is that right, Akeelan? Uh, I, might, I know yeah, it's I grade ones. I think it might be every graded race that they like to confuse you. It's If it's more than zero, it's too many times. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you are two, four, five, six. I'm four, five, six, eight. But we definitely love that middle trio. Mike, let's move on to the third leg of the all graded stakes pick four sequence. And this is what I like to call the Mike Samich special, a.k.a. the grade two Shaker Town. When I think Shaker Town, I automatically think, and Mike loves this race. It's 11 older males sprinting five and a half furlongs on the turf at Keeneland. And you've got a four to five favorite on the morning line that I know that even if you do use, you were just chomping at the bit to try and beat uh, Golden Pal here. Yeah, um, look, Golden Pal is my top pick because Golden Pal kind of has to be my top pick here. I do think that, that he's the best horse in the race. However... If you're going to beat Golden Pal, now's the time. It's, it's like, because once he gets going, he's awfully tough to beat. Um, and I, I think that there's a couple ways that you could go here to try and get around him. There's a bunch of speed in this spot, specifically just might on the outside. The problem is if he catches a flyer like BC, I mean, I know. he was up three lengths by the time they got to the palm tree 10 feet out of the gate. It was ridiculous when you go back and you watch that Breeders' Cup race. That's the one thing I'm most scared of. I, I think Golden Pal is probably your most likely winner. If I'm going to press through here, I'm probably only going to use two horses, and Golden Pal is going to be one of them. Um, 
but I think you kind of have to, I, I have Golden Powell as a top pick. I think he's a must use. I don't know how you leave him off a ticket here. My second choice is going to be the nine horse, Philo D Arena. Uh, we're getting 12 to one on the morning line. Saez takes this mount. Cassie brings this horse down from Woodbine after running three times in Brazil, winning all three, jumps into an allowance and looks darn good, darn good in that uh, that seven furlong turf sprint. And they went 44 and four, 107 and four up front. They were freaking flying. And, the, and this horse still came home in 12s. So, I mean, absolutely awesome speed. Still able to hold on for a long for a more. Grace Fable runs second in that race. Pretty good horse. Now we're getting second out uh, in North America. It's a long layoff here, which is really my biggest concern. But then you go and you look at these workouts, man. I mean, 59 and two, and then we come back with a bullet 58 flat. All systems go here, and we get Luis Saez at a 12 to one price. If Golden Powell comes back at all, I think the nine horse Flavor de Arena is the one that can get it done. It's an interesting horse. Uh, Brazilian bred, uh, undefeated in three races in Brazil in 2019. Then we don't see again until June of last year. And then, yeah, wins very impressively uh, going longer at Woodbine in the allowance race. I just don't, this feels like too tough of a spot for this horse. I, I'm curious to watch this horse moving forward. This feels like, oh boy, this, this I mean, you've never gone this short before, so we don't know what kind of burst the horse is going to show. We don't really know what the horse can do against actually talented horses because again we're coming from brazil and and woodbine i'm sorry group two and group three races in brazil um i mean even now shoot i can't remember her name but uh uh uh, jolie olympica for mandela like you still had to come here and prove it now i mean goddamn could she prove it but she had to prove it um and she had a better resume than field aria i'm not going to knock it because you are getting a great price on him at 12 to 1 here and with saez and cassie uh could be sneaky Golden Powell was my top pick. I'm with you as well. I, I, I don't think there's any reason to try and uh, play against him or argue against him here. Uh, Nick Feldman's calling out the other horse that I'm going to use here, and, and so is Michael Myers. The Learjet is 12 to 1. I don't actually understand this one, Michael, unless it's the distance, uh, the fact that he hasn't gone five and a half furlongs in a little bit. But remember, this is one of two or three horses. It's one of three horses to ever beat Golden Powell. Uh, did it at Ascot uh, in 2020 when they were both two years old, going five furlongs so the horse can go short, is undefeated in both tries going about this distance. But I really was impressed by him in the Franklin Simpson last fall at Kentucky Downs. And six and a half at Kentucky Downs is like a mile <laughs> here at Keeneland. But um, so, again, we have to go a little bit shorter. But I love the fact that Gaffleona is going to be riding back for Brendan Walsh. And I looked up to this, Brendan Walsh bringing horses back after 180 plus days. You see the stat, he's 24% with a positive ROI. When he does it going straight into a stakes, he's four for four. Four for his last four. Uh, Zofel did it last year. Weyburn did it last week. And your favorite horse in Bills 2, Maxfield, did it twice in 2020. So Brendan Walsh bringing a horse back after a very long layoff into deep waters, that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I use this horse too. I agree with you. 12 to 1 is a little bit too high of a price. You have to expect you're going to take a nice step forward. First out as a four-year-old, obviously an angle that I love to use here. Um, A little afraid we might be too far off it to be able to get the job done. That's my biggest scare here. But, uh, you know, I think this is a horse you can use. And one of the reasons I'm trying to beat Golden Pal is because everybody's going to be a nice price because Golden Pal is in this race. I mean, that's why you're getting 12 to 1 in the Learjet because you're sitting on 4 to 5 at Golden Pal. It's going to get bet down. So all of a sudden, you're going to get a decent number on pretty much anywhere, any other direction you want to go. And that's why you know we're getting 12 to 1 on Philo D Arena. And we're getting 12 to 1 on the Learjet. And we're getting 10 to 1 on the other horse I'm going to use, 
which is also getting some love in the chat here. Gear Jockey, uh, look, this horse is racing the Breeders' Cup, was over at the break because of what happened with Golden Pal. And, oh, by the way, no one closed a lick on that, that turf course at, at Del Mar going five furlongs that entire weekend. So I'm not going to hold that race against him at all. First time out was too bad to believe, so I'm not going to worry about that one. I'm just assuming we're going to get back to form. And if we do, and if Golden Pal comes back at all, Gear Jockey will be there right at the end. One of the reasons why the nine is over the five for me is Luis Saez is leaving the leaving gear jockey for Filo de Arena on the nine horse. So I'm going to end up going 40 here. I'm going to use three prices, the five, the six, and the nine. And my top pick is Golden Pal. And I, I, I wish I could just not include Golden Pal, but I don't think that's a smart thing to do, especially since I feel like I have a price that's live in the race before. And I, have a, I, I think the last race is a mess, so. Yeah, I think since the Breeders' Cup uh, turf sprint last year, we're literally, uh, someone mentioned in the comments, but uh, I think Ashley mentioned, yeah, two seconds after that race began, I cursed myself for spreading. Yeah, yep. or if you left him off completely. Yeah, you just went, God damn it. Uh, you said there's a lot of love for Gear Jockey. No, his name's popping up a lot. There's actually no love for Gear Jockey. Uh, Charles says that the trainer, Rusty Arnold, stated Gear Jockey may want longer distance. He has one. Of, okay, you got one. You got one. Uh, sorry, Vashon. I, I actually did miss that one. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> right above Gear Jockey Integrated Stakes winner. Um, that doesn't like mean he doesn't like him. It just means he's not a great stakes winner, which is accurate. Currently, as of today, he is not a great stakes winner. Yeah, he's uh, not Dr. wrong. <laughs> Dr. Tang didn't like to switch off. Oh, wait. Was like, he is wrong. Gear Jockey won a grade three at Kentucky Downs last year. Get out of here. I'm going to block you, Mike. I'm just kidding. Uh, Charles, sneaky good at Keelan. Yes, I do like Rusty Arnold as a trainer. Um, and listen, 10 to 1, like you said, Mike, I think you're going to get it. Uh, a great price here. Charles brings up a really great point, and why we are trying to spread against him <clears throat> is if Golden Pal loses, it'll knock out 70% of the tickets in this sequence. Easily. Easily. Well, so many people are going to love that horse here. And we love also that. have Rob here, who's, who's bringing up a good point as well. He's talking about, okay, how am I going to be able, like, if you like Golden Pal in this spot, and you want to play a press ticket, and you're singling the three in the first leg, and you have an opinion in the second, like, let's say you want to go three with four with ten, and you have a bigger opinion than I do in the last race of the sequence, you can play a press ticket for a couple bucks and protect the 50 cent ticket. I mean, so there's, there's ways around this from a betting perspective where you can properly press your opinions correctly, but still allow yourself to have some coverage in this spot and just figure out how to kind of create a ladder ticket with a 50 cent, $2 and $5 tickets, where if golden pal wins, and he's on the $5 and the $2, you're still in a good spot to make some money. Uh, Curtis, my man, uh, put natural power on his ticket, taking everybody else's money, including ours. When he, when uh, natural power comes in at a huge price, let's talk about him. Cause I have seen this horse come up a couple of times. He's uh, won two starts so far this year, both five furlong turf sprints at Gulfstream. Uh, they were optional claiming events, but he had to come from off the pace. And, uh, it looks like he's going to have a lot of horses to try and pass here, but I like the fact looking at his form, Mike, that even though he's 50 to one, uh, the buyers are improving. He is, he seems to be improving at age five here, but that, he also did it from breaking from the rail and he did it from all the way outside. So the horse seems like he can kind of make his own trip a little bit and get uh, around horses. I, to me, he just seems like a cut below against a really tough group. Why did you not use him? Well, I mean, he's a cut below against a really tough group. However, <laughs> third off the layoff, a logical place to yep. take a step forward. I, I've seen worse 50 to one shots. How about I put it that way? Like if you like this horse, I would never tell you not to use it because this is like, that's, that's a lot more live 50 to one shot than I think you're going to see a lot of times because you could make a case that that horse with a step forward all of a sudden is on par from a, a numbers perspective with the rest of this field. And then 50 to one doesn't seem that crazy, especially third off the layoff. I can't get over that picture. Uh, so it, it definitely helps you set up there. So I, I wouldn't hate it there. I have one question for you, Magic. Yes, sir. Are you, are you proud of me? Always. I didn't use Diamond Oops. 
Oh, you didn't. That's right. Here for nice and diamond hoops. <laughs> I actually meant to bring that up, and then I forgot. We got talking about natural power. So, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, no, you didn't Thank use you. diamond hoops in this spot. The the only yeah. price to me, honestly, that doesn't make sense. I think is too short. Is Baraz at six to one? And I know he's been really red hot since Seren's been turf sprinting him, but he's coming from California uh, after not beating that great of California horses. I think that he is off the board. So uh, yeah. not only do I not like him to win, I think that six to one, he's bad to play on your tickets there. Uh, it's tough too when you're going from Santa Anita turf sprinting to anywhere else turf sprinting because that course is just so different than this Keeneland course. I, I, it's just, it's night and day when you're comparing the two. So it, it's hard for me to look at those Santa Anita sprinters and kind of figure out how they're going to translate over to a course like Keeneland, especially like it's supposed to snow Saturday mornings. S N O W snow. Uh, what you think? Maybe it was 60 <laughs> since the, in any race that Barraza ran. So it, it's a very different situation from a weather perspective as well. It's, it's rained yesterday. Keeneland, I think it's supposed to rain tomorrow. Like, it, it's not going to be the fastest turf course here, which I think it makes it tough there too. Somehow they'll still find a way to make that a lightning fast dirt course though, especially when Nashville's racing in the yeah. Commonwealth. Uh, Charles says light flurries. Yeah. yeah that's going to be apologize. Light flurries, not snow. <laughs> hey, I'm in Los Angeles. A flurry, uh, batting down the hatches. Uh, shit's yeah. about to go down. Shit's about to go down in the final race of the all graded stakes. Pick four Saturday at Keeneland because Mike Samich, you absolutely hate the grade one bluegrass stakes field where we've got a very nice deserving field of 12 little boys that are three years old. going to mile and eighth on the dirt. Smile happy is the nine to five favorite. He's in the 10 post, not even on your screen right now. Broke his maiden on debut going to mile on the 16th here last fall. Where'd you go on top? Oh man. Um, okay. I, here's the thing. I have like four different ways that I get to horses. Generally I have my own numbers. I've used a couple different products. I've got like, Everything I have, everything tells me that Smile Happy is going to win this race and Zandon's going to run second and it's not close. I don't like either of them. Like, it's so, like, I just, I, 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 I'm not, I don't trust Corey Landry on Smile Happy, who I do think has a good shot at winning this race, but I, I don't fully trust him and I hate the nine to five price. I have not liked Zandon since day one. So it's hard for me now to be like, yes, Zandon in this field. But then you kind of look at the rest of the field and like, Emmanuel, do what? I don't even know what to expect. Command performance is still a maiden. If we run back to the two-year-old, that's probably good enough with some improvement to beat this field. Then you have Rattle and Roll, whose numbers fit, third off a layoff, and I talked to the owner, and he made a great point that all of Rattle and Roll's best races are when he turns around quick. We're back in two weeks. Like We're back on the surface that both Smile and Happy, or that Rattle and Roll won on. Like, But again, I don't really like Rattle and Roll either. And then I start to say, but there's no pace in this race, so let's look at the, the horses that can go out front. That's Fenwick. That's Volcanic, that's Emmanuel, and that's the 12th horse who's not on the screen right now is like Grant Ham or something. I don't really like any of them either. <laughs> it's just like I cannot get to have a strong opinion in this race, and that's why I really struggled is that, yeah, I have horses I'm going to use, and I've talked about a lot of the field, but I am wishy-washy in this spot. Like it, it's, to me, it's just a really tough race, and I'm not going to hit the all button because the horses I think are most likely to win are the, the one and two choices, so I, I've – that's not a good idea long-term. I don't want to press through this race. It's why I'm not giving out a $2, $5 ticket because I'm not pressing anything into the two or the 10 or the four here because I don't feel like that's a smart thing to do. So it leaves me in this spot where I'm just like, this is a tough race. And it's just, it's not one that I love. All that being said, I put smile happy on top. I think he's the best horse in this field. He's the one that stands out against all my numbers. So I kind of have to, but I, I like, I'm lukewarm against this whole field. And I hope I've made that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Your microphone's muted. I said, sorry. Sorry. No, it was muted this time. Yes. I was typing because I was trying to look up the trainer uh, for Fenwick, Kevin McCaithen. Um, uh, No, Mike says, don't just run happy, smile happy. Uh, (laughs) Mike, you don't like this race. Come on. Turn that frown upside down, pal, and smile. Uh, He is smiling. He's going to smile happy. I went too deep here. Um, I'm going to let smile happy beat me, uh, partially because I went cheaper or, or I went chalkier other spots. I had to pick against someone. I, I don't like this horse. I haven't ever, I mean, it's fun, but like, let's get serious here. This doesn't feel like a big boy horse to me and he never really has. Um, but I'm not going to shit on his trainer because I went four deep and one of the horses I'm using is just his inside is the nine rattle and roll. Uh, I was telling Jared beforehand, cause he laughed when I said I'm, I went too deep and this is one of the horses I'm using. Uh, first of all, he wins the Breeders' Futurity over this course last year, uh, going to mile the 16th. He comes back. He misses the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He has something go wrong. It's supposed to be a minor thing. He comes back in the Fountain of Youth, runs like shit. Comes back in Louisiana Derby behind Epicenter, uh, like everybody that runs against Epicenter runs like shit. So they bring him here, but I love not just the quick turnaround, putting the blinkers on this horse. We're trying something here. We're not giving up on him. We're trying to get him into the Kentucky Derby when we already have Smile Happy, owned by the same owner, trained by the same trainer. Um, the fact that he's in here and Brian Hernandez Jr., who is Kenny McPeak's top rider, and I think a very underrated jockey, uh, the fact that he's going to ride him here. I- I'm going to ride with Rattle and Roll, but this is the one time. I didn't play him in the Fountain of Youth because I thought 9-2 was too short. 6-1 to one was too short. 8-1. to one. Other McPeak, this is the time we play him, Mike. This is the time Rattle and Roll is worth a bullet on your ticket. Well, let me let me tell you, man. Um when I was talking to, to, to Mike, who's the owner of, of, of uh, seven, Lucky 7 Stable, mm-hmm. they were not planning on running this horse this weekend. The plan was to run him next weekend. Um, and he has been working so well and galloping so well and so like ready to go that Kenny called Mike on Thursday and said, we need to run him this weekend. Like, <laughs> or, and so that, that's how he ended up in this race is that we, he needs to go. He needs to get out there. He's ready to fire. He, like, and they're adding blinkers on the horse specifically to try and get the horse more forwardly placed. And so so into that interview, not very high on rattle and roll, came out of it like the connections like rattle and roll here. Like there's a reason they think that this horse is going to run really well. So I, to me, that kind of, again, this is more of the, the mind that's just messing with me in this race because I, I kind of feel like if they put rattle and roll in here and everyone, like they're all saying they're ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. And you got Smile Happy, who's nine to five. You kind of have to use rattle and roll at eight to one. And I, like... Not a huge McPeak guy, but he does well in Kentucky. And eight to one is the right price, not nine to five when you're looking for a McPeak. So I don't disagree with you on the use. Uh, let's see. You went how deep did you go here? You went four deep. So you did use him. You didn't use my other horse, but I'm, I'm I've been talking a little bit too much. So I'll let you keep going with who you want. Well, I went six deep. Um, so I used both McPeaks in the nine and the ten. I use both Pletchers. Um, yep. Emmanuel, it's because I have no clue what I'm going to get from him. Uh, literally no idea. I uh, looked awesome in Tampa. You could make excuses for him at Gulfstream, but didn't look good. Uh, but you could make excuses for him at Gulfstream. So I'm going to put him on the ticket. Command performance, I kind of think you have to put on the ticket at 12 to 1. I, I realize that that he only has really one, maybe two races that are good enough to win this. But the fact that Irad shows up, the fact that he's at, like that he's drew, drew the rail, I think, which is a pretty good post draw in this spot. I think he has the upside that some of these others don't that are running in here. And if you look at his numbers, he's clearly the third or fourth best horse right now. So yeah, I'm going to use the one command performance. And again, like I don't really like command performance, but I think that this is a legit spot where he could win. Um, 
I used Zan in the four, uh, who was my second pick, and who I, I think, like, again, everything that I have points to 10 4 here, cold, um, except my DI test, which tells me I have no clue who's going to win. Uh, so I'm going to use the four. And last, I'm going to use the two. Give me a little Fenwick. I think this race could go wire to wire. I think Paco is going to send Fenwick. I think Fenwick gets the lead from the two post, and I want the horse on the front. It's that simple on the two. I try. I went through it and was like, I was going to use the two, the five, or the twelve. You should use one of the three of them, whichever one you think makes the lead. In my mind, after you know five minutes of flip flopping, I decided that the two Fenwick was going to make the lead, and that's why he's on the ticket. You are predicting we're going to have some sort of history made where either a maiden in command performance or a trainer who's literally never saddled a horse in a race before and Kevin McCaithen is going to win the Bluegrass Stakes on Saturday. Yeah, it's not great when you can't click on him in Equibase, is it? <laughs> uh, Kevin McCaithen, so when I was doing the research, uh, he is part of the McCaithen family. If you don't know that, the McCaithen brothers, um, when, when they were both still alive one of the past few years ago, I think, JJ, but uh, they're one of the best breeding, uh, I'm sorry, breaking operations in Florida. Uh, the McCaithen brothers had American Pharaoh and Audible, uh, Cezanne. They had a lot of big stars that came through, and also Cezanne. They came through their breaking spots. Kevin McCaithen, I believe, is uh, the son of one of the, the brothers that started it and broke Fenwick at the farm, which is great. He's also never saddled a horse to start in a race before. Uh, shit, listen, but that also, by the way, I'm not making fun of you. That's your, that's the testament to your opinion of this race that you think either a four or five start, four start maiden or a, a trainer who's literally never done this before uh, is going to win it. <laughs> yep. And like, just to, just to add to this, Curtis, how could I say he's the fourth best horse? Uh, because his first and second race are as good as anyone in there. They, both of those are. And it's just that simple the, the, the Breeders' Cup didn't come back that great. His first race out wasn't awesome, but Pletcher decided to put him in here and try and get derby points, and so I'm going to trust Pletcher. Irad took them out, and those first two races in New York are good enough. And, and so it's it's when you kind of go through the who has a good enough race, he's one of the first four you have to call out. Uh, so he he makes the card there. And Robert, you're right. <laughs> like when I when yes. when everything I have that twice. when everything I have turns up the two horses I don't want to play in a race like I I'm willing to admit that it's a race that I don't love and that, that I'm not overly high on and that I'm not going to put a ton of money through this race because I feel like this race is a tough race where look, if anyone wins this race, I'm not shocked. Uh, I misspoke earlier or misread the, uh, the ticket earlier. Um, I have the four nine, so I'm four nine in this spot as well. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike show. Thanks for joining Mike. Is my mic shitty again? No, it's just, it just it was a very quick transition. <laughs> no, it's my my computer was freezing. It wasn't quick on this end. Trust me. <laughs> oh, it was it was very snappy in, in the rest of the world. Very snappy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Magic Mike Show, uh, covering Keeneland's all graded stakes pick four Saturday. That's races six through nine. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, we're gonna put our ticks down below, and we'll give it out one last time, especially for the audio listeners. And as long as Mike doesn't get a tornado again, I'll remember to do this. Uh, I'll start off for fifty cents. I'm going three, four, five with four, five, six, eight with six, ten, and then four, nine for fifty cents. It's twenty four dollars, Mister Summich. I'm gonna play a fifty cent ticket. It's gonna be forty eight bucks total. Uh, I'm gonna go three with two, four, five, six with five, six, nine, ten with. One, two, four, six, nine, ten. I'll cut you forty-eight bucks. Um, uh, yeah, this is, is going to be an interesting sequence when we hit it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the other preps as well here after we we finish this up. But yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. 
Uh, over at racingnews.com, the uh, 2022 Bluegrass or Inside Track to the Bluegrass Stakes Wagering Guide, it would be available for sale if you're listening to this after the fact. It's available for pre sale right now. Jared's putting the finishing touches on it, but uh, go over to racingdudes.com and download that. It is uh, included with all of the premium subscriptions and it covers not only every single race on Keeneland's card Saturday, but it also all three Kentucky Derby prep races. So the San Diego Derby, the Wood Memorial, and the San Diego Oaks are also covered in there. No love for the gazelle stakes. If you want that, you're shit out of luck. We decided not to do the gazelle stakes uh, for some reason. I think Aaron just really hates Aqueduct that much. But over there, you can also get previews, full in-depth previews of every single Derby and Oaks prep race. Also at YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. So make sure you head over there for that one. Mike, uh, of all of the races this weekend, which one are you most excited about? Man, um, that's an interesting question. Um. Because Santa Anita Derby, there's only six horses, but the amount of electricity, it's like if you've seen the, the new Spider-Man movie, it's like Jamie Foxx's Electro when he's like, ooh, look at all the power. Look at all the power. Well, honestly, that's that's the race that I would – that's the race I think is the most important of the weekend. I, I think it's going to be very hard for the winner of the Derby to come out of either the Bluegrass or uh, the Wood up at Aqueduct. Uh, so for me, I mean, we're going to have two of the top five betting choices face off against each other. And we have a third horse in there in uh, Tava, which is going to be a, a huge contender if he runs well at all. And so uh, that race to me is the most interesting of the derby preps. And you asked me what I like the race the most I like the weekend. I usually don't like derby prep races the most. I'm usually the guy who likes the 16K non-winners of three claimer race where I like a price, right? But if you were talking about the stakes races, yeah, I, I mean, to me, the Santa Anita Derby is a must-watch, like an absolute must-watch, because I, I think I think Taba, 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 whatever it is, is very good, um, and and I think I think Taba is going to put the screws to Forbidden Kingdom early, and we're going to find out what Forbidden Kingdom is going to be made of, and Messier is going to be rolling late, and then we're going to find out whatever the the person who's left standing between the Taba Forbidden Kingdom matchup is. We're going to find out how good they are when someone's trying to run them down late. So. To me, that that race is is very interesting, even though it's just six horses. I am the most excited about San Anita Derby because I have a feeling that at some point in the far turn, you're going to see uh, Johnny V press go on Messier, and that moment he does, I feel like you're going to feel the arm, the, the hair on your arm, kind of stand up a little bit because he's going to go two, probably three wide around Forbidden Kingdom and Taiba. Uh, probably Forbidden Kingdom on the rail. Taibon is outside of Messier, just three wide with the jockey not moving. We're just going to go. That There we go. There we go. Race is over. Derby winner right there. Yeah, I mean, so well, just a couple things in the chat. I think they're relevant here. First off, plus 200 right now on Messier is absurd. You're not getting anything near that race time. So if you can get that, I would 100% put a couple bucks on it if you like Messier. Um, we did a video on the future pool that's going to come out here shortly as well. Um, and, and that one, you have eight to one currently on both Forbidden Kingdom and Messier. They're both going to be like, what, even money, six to five, seven to five, somewhere in that range, the San Diego Derby. Whoever wins is going to be sub five to one in the Kentucky Derby. So you're getting double the value if you like the winner. So if you're going to bet 20 bucks to win at even money, you might as well bet 20 to win for that horse to win the Derby instead if you think this race is going to be that good because you're getting eight to one instead of even money on your 20 bucks. You go 10 and 10 or something like that uh, because I do think that you're seeing more value in the future pool than predicting the winner of the San Diego Derby uh, because of what's going to happen to those odds come the first Saturday in May. Um, but man, I I think the way the right here, I mean, Dennis obviously watched the preview. I don't think Forbidden Kingdom hits the board. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's Messier and it's it's Taba. There's going to be one and two, and then I'm looking at either Happy Jack or Armagnac to run third and try and get a price in there. So to me, those are you. I, the way to make money on this race is either play the cold exactly with whatever you order you think in the top two, 
or find that try and see if you can run out Forbidden Kingdom, Messier, or Tyler. Because if you run any of the three out, it's going to pay in the try. This is special. Golden Kitten kind of says it too. What we're all thinking here uh, that uh, Messier is going to come and pass Taba after he presses Forbidden Kingdom. Tennis. Uh, Yaffert, Yaffert. Yeah, it's it. we were having the discussion. Is it Bakhtin or Yaffert? Yaffert seems to be the overall choice. I still say Bakhtin sounds like something that you rub him in uh, Gamine when she's about to go race. But uh, uh, it, it sounds like something you don't want your dentist to tell you you have. <laughs> yeah, but you have some buildup of Bakhtin yeah. uh, on your. You got a Bakhtin buildup in your upper upper left. um uh let's see here uh uh curtis brings up jimmy barnes follow table while bob's on vacation yeah all of the uh, bob assistants over to the effort barn um let me ask you this uh if does the winner of the kentucky derby kind of building off of curtis's question here is the winner of the of the santa anita derby the favorite for the kentucky derby i don't know how messier is not or i'm sorry i don't know how epicenter is not favored because I, you have a connection problem now. And yeah, I realize that we all know that, that Yafferts are Yafferts, right? But the general public who's betting a lot of money on the Derby $2 at a time won't. And, and so there's like, there's that this part of you're not going to see Bob Baffert in the, the form. And so I have a feeling a lot of people are going to gravitate toward Epicenter, who's looked absolutely awesome in his last two. He's the favorite at five to one in the current future pool. Uh, he is currently the favorite overseas at six to one. I feel like he's the one who's going to take the money and we're not going to see him again before the Derby. Obviously the draw matters. And look, if Messier wins by 20, I reserve the right to change my opinion on this question, but I think it's going to be tough for Epicenter not to go off favored, no matter what happens this weekend. I, I mean, he can be off favorite. That's fine. As long as he wins at Kentucky Derby, that's all. Uh... <laughs> We're 0 for 1 with Derby favorites, Magic. We're 0 for 1. Tis the law. I know. We didn't have to bring it up. Uh, freaking <laughs> ugh. I know. That's why I'm not getting excited about us winning the Fantasy League. But, hey, you don't care about that. What you care about is great content, which we have over at YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. If you're watching live on the YouTube show or the, on Facebook, again, thank you for joining us. Right here, you see this is the dashboard of just the latest videos we have over at YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. And we're trying to put out as much great content as we possibly can. And, and I can tell you that there are three videos sitting in the hopper right now that are not on this screen, and there'll be two more. So this is going to look completely different even a few hours from now. If you guys aren't subscribed yet, make sure you go subscribe to the Racing Dudes YouTube channel. Hit the little notification bell so that you get notified every single time we go live or upload a video. You don't want to miss any of the great content. We have going on over at RacingDudes.com. Mr. Samich, before we get out of here, any last words for the folks at home? Yeah, uh, if you want to watch the Masters and sweat it out with me, I've got Dustin Johnson at 28-1 to 1 to win the first round. He's currently tied for the lead at 4-under through 12. And I've got Will Zalacarius. Will Zal. Will, Will Zal. Zal. I got him at 58-1 to 1 to win, lead the first round. He's at 2-under right now. So I got a little sweat going on there if you want to uh, enjoy that. Um, hopefully one of the two can get him done. And then we've got Good Chalk, Bad Chalk. We're covering the late pick four at Santa Anita. Head over to Equin Edge's YouTube page for that. That'll go live at 7 o'clock with uh, Brady Klotz. Uh, so we're, we're excited to be back at Good Chalk, Bad Chalk. Had five winners last week. Uh, so hopefully we can wow. keep that. Yeah, nice. yeah. Late pick five with it was fun. It was fun time. It, eight, eight to one in the first race, too. So uh, hopefully everyone can join us over there. Uh, we'll do some live handicapping, and, and we're able to show the live races. So make sure you check that out. And finally, uh, YouTube. we got a ton of great content going up. Like I'm excited to get that. The, that Magic will eventually get off his ass and edit the interview I did for, for the owner. Uh, <laughs> smile happy and, uh, and rattle and roll. I think there's some interesting, interesting information in there. And then I'm excited to get our, our uh, derby talk up, too. So, yeah, a bunch of stuff going on. Make sure you check out the YouTube page and uh, join us for Good Chuck, Bad Chuck. I can only work so hard. You keep making me do all this shit. I'm just kidding. It's a lot of oh, fun. Uh, oh, and, and Aaron and I did a video this morning. I was like, 
I, I texted Aaron and said, hey, man, let's do the top five small tracks we've been to in the country. I'm excited for that to come out. So Aaron and I each picked our top five tracks, small tracks that we've been to. Make sure you check that out. And when you do, comment below with what uh, what your favorite small track is too. Because we want like I'm like this close to trying to convince my wife to let me get an RV and drive across the country from racetrack to racetrack for a summer because that would be awesome. Dude, you know how badly I wanted to do that uh, last summer. And that was my plan was that like the last summer was going to be the, the time to try and do something like that uh, before the kid came along. Uh, you know, kid came along, COVID came along. I guess that would have been two summers ago. Damn. Uh, yeah, kind of screws things. I always thought it'd be cool too. Also, I think it'd be a lot easier if we didn't have wives. But I don't. Or I like kids. Me. Or kids. <laughs> yes. Well, wife and kid kind of come together. So if we ever find ourselves kicked out on the street, Mike, I think we yeah. know what option B is for both of us. But hey, option A for you should always be to watch the Magic Mike Show here, uh, YouTube.com/slash Racing Dudes or at RacingDudes.com. You can get the podcast anywhere you find podcasts. Thank you again so much for everybody. Really appreciate all the love and attention and support we've been getting. Really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Time to make some money at Keeneland. See you on Monday, boys. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels. Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. 